Awesome. And thank you to the team as well. You guys can take your seats. We're going to jump straight into the Word this morning. I'm going to pick up where I left off, so we're not switching gears. My message this morning is, have you got oil? Have you got oil? You know what happens to your car if you drive it? And it's not topped up with oil? You'll wear that thing out. Oil keeps it humming and getting it fresh, fresh oil. In other words, an oil change. When you get an oil change, you get fresh oil. And that keeps that thing clean because what happens is in the nitty-gritty of running... Metal touches metal, oil breaks down, heat create, uh, friction creates heat, and metal firelings start to uh, drop away from pieces of metal that are touching metal. And if they stay in the oil and the oil's not changed with fresh oil regularly and filtered, those little metal shavings make more and more scratches inside of the cylinder bore. And before you know it, you start burning oil, you're losing compression, and that engine is not at its optimum. And if you really don't look after it, it will eventually seize. Oil. Have you got oil? The second thing that'll render heavens in your personal life and in the church. Some people seem to just live more in the blessing of God. And it's as if they've personally made an effort to make sure that there's no negative atmosphere around them. They've dealt with issues in their life. See, repentance is so important because righteousness and justice will always attract the presence of God, but unrighteous attitudes, unrighteous belief systems will lead to unrighteous action and unjust discrimination of all sorts, and that will also attract atmosphere. It's not God's heaven that needs to get bust open. God's busting to bust through to us. But we create atmospheres around us. We don't realize it, but we put little platforms out here, and they'll either be platforms of righteousness and justice, or they'll be platforms of sin. And sometimes we take an attitude, oh, well, God's grace covers me. God's grace covers me. Yes, it does. But if I've got a platform out there or a little birdhouse up in a tree that's going to invite a woodpecker, that woodpecker is going to eat the tree and destroy my lodgings. Hello? And so when we talk about rending the heavens, the atmosphere immediately over you as a person the atmosphere over our town, our city, our state, our nation. Demons are rulers in the air. They're not in God's heaven. 
But Jesus referred to Satan as the prince of the air. Paul referred to him as the God of this world. Not just the God that some people have in their heart. He governs the affairs of earth. He has a lot of jurisdiction. You and I as born-again Christians, though we live under this atmosphere, we have been translated out of the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness, and we live under the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. At the moment, in a sense, we are behind enemy lines, but I am in the kingdom of God, and he that's in me is greater than all the forces of darkness put together. Hello? So in that sense, you and I already live under a different heaven. But the reason why repentance is such an important thing, and it's the first thing that will rend the heavens, is because repentance... Genuine, heartfelt, getting your heart right with God on a daily basis keeps all the trash out of your head and out of the airspace around you. And that's important. Look, I don't walk around with a whip and I whip myself, oh, I'm a miserable person. I am a son of God, and when God looks at me at any given point during the day, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in me. Even sometimes when I'm not living up to it, that's grace. But when I deliberately put out a lifestyle that will conducively attract demonic agreement, In other words, when I live out of agreement with God's attitudes, I've put a birdhouse there that's willing to be open to demonic activity. And I want to... I walk in repentance. I'm not walking in guilt. I I don't walk in condemnation. I know who I am. And at any given moment, I can lay my hands on a person who is needs deliverance, and boldly say, get out in Jesus' name. But I also know that just driving down some of these highways, the way some people drive, I could get into a wrong attitude. (laughs) The temptation from my BC days makes me want to start communicating with sign language. Those of you that are laughing, you've been there. (laughs) Repentance isn't a flagellation, you know, whipping myself. No, 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 no. You see, I, I have this relationship, and I am so smitten by him. I, I respect him so much. It affects me every day and I want to walk and think and act in a way that's pleasing to him isn't that how two people in love or two people who deeply respect each other shouldn't that be the ethos of their relationship I'd never want to do something to offend you shouldn't that be the case why should it be any different in our relationship with God 
Oh, well, I'm a Christian. I got saved 20 years ago, and I go to church. I'm there regularly, and I tithe. Okay, you have a form and a format. Do you have relationship? And so, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I pray constantly, Holy Spirit, make me more sensitive to the heart of God than I was even a month ago. And that's what I mean by walking in repentance. I want to keep tweaking my attitudes and my heart. I got saved. Let's see, I'll be 62 this year. I was about seven, eight years old when I got born again, and it was a very real experience. So, you know, a good... I'm trying to do the math. A lot of years ago. But I don't rely... My relationship didn't start and stop there. In fact, my relationship is constantly coming to new places with him. And so I become more and more sensitive to him. You know, let me preach to you by sharing something that just happened to me. You know, I don't think Jesus, when he when he preached, necessarily had sermon outlines already. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I have a sermon outline, and if I preach most of my message, you could have a copy of the notes afterwards. If I don't preach any of it, I'll save it. You can't get it, and I'll preach it next week. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay for spontaneity because relationship brings spontaneity. Hello? And uh, so, I wasn't going to share this, but I am going to share this. I've shared that the first step to an open heaven is repentance. That when we repent, if, they, if we have put out little birdhouses that are more suited to demonic activity, repentance crushes that thing, rips it out... Because it brings about a change of mind and a change of attitude. And so we rectify things, okay? And there's only birdhouses to attract the holy presence of God. Now, I'm using imagery or analogies of corresponding things in life so that we can get a more vivid picture. I am not saying that the Holy Spirit lives in a birdhouse, okay? People will often pervert what preachers say and then say they're heretics. Oh, he believes the Holy Spirit is a dove and you got to build a birdhouse so that the dove can live in a birdhouse. No, I'm using imagery so that we get a broader picture. Everybody with me? Those of you that are watching online, okay? Uh, So, Several months ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to start praying and fasting for righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I already know I am the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. I have a position. I boldly go into the Holy of Holies because the blood of Jesus has 
washed me and I live under an atmosphere of grace. And at any given moment, I can put on my Holy Ghost outfit and go into that Holy of Holies and say, Father, I pray for my sister Lynn right now. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that devil who's been harassing her. See, I have no problem with that. I know who I am in Christ. So don't get confused or jolted when I say the Holy Spirit said to me, start praying for righteousness. I know positionally who I am. How many of you, if you believe that positionally by faith you are the righteousness of God, how many of you would be willing to be honest enough while the live stream cameras are on to admit that you don't always live up to what you are in Christ. Hang on, I'm trying to get both legs up at the same time, okay? The practice of it, I want the practice of my righteousness to line up more and more with the righteousness I've already received and I am by faith. Is that a fair way of putting this? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. I've shared with you guys over the, the last year how the Holy Spirit prompted me to look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I looked up the Hebrew what is the knowledge of good? What is the knowledge of evil? And we traditionally think of the knowledge of evil. They ate from a tree that was going to give them information about how to rob a bank or how to defraud someone of their life state savings. No. When you go to the Hebrew text, the knowledge of evil, it says knowledge that is in disagreement. Any knowledge that is contrary to how God says things should be is the knowledge of evil. So if you cut me off on the highway and I want to give you sign language from my old days, that's the knowledge of evil. It's knowledge that's contrary to what God's attitude would be. Are you hearing me? So I've been praying. God, I, I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I know who I am in Christ. There's no condemnation. I don't feel any guilt. There's no shame. I don't live under a dark cloud. And I pray that you don't either. I pray that you get the revelation of who you are by faith. But also pray that you get the revelation that there's the position of righteousness and with it comes the power of righteousness. And I want to live in the position of it. And I want to live in the power of it. Amen. Hello? Yeah. Because it's never like God's character to give a position and then not give the power of the position. That would be unjust and ludicrous. So if he gives me a position, there's also the power of righteousness. Paul says, I think it's in Corinthians, he says, So therefore, with the weapons of righteousness in our right hand and our left, the position and the power. 
And so I've been praying, God, I know who I am in Christ, and I thank you for what you've done. But I hunger for righteousness. I want to see things always from how you see them. And I want things to affect me, my attitudes and my heart, the way they would affect you. And I want more of Rob Scarallo to line up with the knowledge of good. Now, in the Hebrew, the knowledge of good, this is what it says in Hebrew, really deep. That which is in agreement. So, the knowledge of evil is any perception, attitude, belief system that differs from God's opinion. Uh, by the way, not opinion. God doesn't have opinions. God has fact. He has truth. And the knowledge of good is all that comes into agreement with him. And so, <clears throat> I've been praying this. And about four or five days ago, I was still asleep and half awake and half asleep. I was more asleep than awake, but starting to become a little bit conscious or aware that in a short time, I'll be waking up. How many of you have ever been there? You know that, uh, I was looking for a funny expression, but that twilight zone, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you're there, but you're not there. And I'm having an encounter with God. There was such a euphoric presence. I never sleep with the covers over my head. The covers were over my head. And I hadn't opened my eyes. I was not awake. I was conscious the covers were over my head, and yet I was still not awake. And I heard myself saying, My spirit must have been praying. And I heard my spirit saying, Father, I want to see as you see. I don't want to see from the culture of my family. I don't want to see from the culture of my heritage. I don't even want to see from the culture of my experiences. I want to see everything through your eyes. I want to understand through your heart. And then I said something that really, it shocked me. And remember, I'm half asleep, so I'm hearing things. And I said something, it shocked me and pleased me. I said this, I don't want to live in Quasiland. And I understood that Quasiland is that place of existence where it's permissible or, you know, God will cover you. It's, well, it's okay. God loves you. I don't want to live in Quasiland where everything's just okay. I don't want to live on the fringes of his grace. I never want to stop living under his grace. But I don't want to live where I purposely live right on the edge and need to constantly call on his grace. And so I heard myself saying, I don't want to live in quasi-land. I want to live in the land of your reality. I don't want to live in the land where my head in the past has said, it's okay, God understands, he'll forgive you. That God, I want to see as you see. I want to hear as you hear. I want to feel as you feel. 
And I'm, I'm having this euphoric experience and very conscious of that what was okay to me a month ago isn't okay to me today. In other words, I'm confessing. I'm being transparent. I'm being totally open. You know why? Because I want you to also. I don't want you to put me on a pedestal. Respect the office God has given me, but I'm flesh and blood just like you. And I'm happy to be an example so that we can all go deeper in the things of God. Hello? I'm not putting myself down. I'm just being honest and real. I want you to touch the power of God for miracles like I've touched. I've seen several dead people raised. I've seen amazing healings. And I want you to have those experiences too. And so I, I've journeyed and I've transitioned and I want to show you inside of this flesh and blood things I have to keep thinking and getting into perspective so that I keep walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Make sense? And so I'm still asleep, Joe, and I'm very conscious, and I'm, I'm dialoguing with God, and I'm thinking, God, I don't, I don't want to leave this place. What was permissible or okay in Quasiland a month ago in Rob Scarallo's life isn't okay today. Don't let me go back. I don't want to go back. And I'm asleep, and I'm praying this. I don't want to go back. You see, repentance causes scales to come off our eyes. Isn't it interesting that when Saul, who was breathing murderous threats against the church, these heretics, they're calling this man God. They're absurd. They're insane. Give me orders to go to Damascus so I can kill them and rid the nation of these crazy messianic lunatics. It's one thing for God to knock him off his horse, which he did. He got his attention and Saul says, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And Saul is blinded by this great light, and he says, Who are you that I'm persecuting you? And he says, I am the Christ. He knocks him off the horse to get his attention. Saul comes to a place of repentance, and when Ananias, a prophet, was told by God, you're going to find this guy, Saul, this bad guy that Christians are afraid of, in such and such a house, I've encountered him. He's having an experience with me. He's blind at the moment. I want you to lay hands on him. All of this stuff happens supernaturally. I want to live in a lifestyle where the supernatural stuff of God is happening around me. And I don't want you to come and spectate. I want you to live in a place where the supernatural stuff of God is happening around you. 
I am not the entertainer. Don't come and watch the ministry of Rob Scarello. Let's jump into the ministry of the Holy Ghost. What's interesting is Ananias picks up the courage from what God just told him. Think about it. This guy gets a word of revelation. He doesn't see an angel. He has to believe that what he's feeling and hearing, he's getting an address, he's getting a street. He's not an apostle. He's just a born-again believer who pushed into God and hears this prophetic anointing on him. People say, oh, that stuff stopped with the apostolic age. It was only for the apostles. Ananias wasn't an apostle. He was just a believer full of the Holy Ghost. And he starts hearing this address and hearing these impressions. And so he goes there, knowing he's going to come face to face with the guy that is threatening the whole Christian community. And he believes the impressions he's getting. My goodness. It's one thing if an angel appeared and said, blah, 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 there's the angel. It's another thing when you're hearing from the Holy Ghost and you're questioning, is it really the Holy Ghost? And he acts on it, but watch this. He lays hands on Saul of Tarsus, and the Bible says, now remember, Saul just repented. Scales fell off his eyes. You see, the more we keep tweaking our heart through repentance, wanting to see as God sees, scales come off our eyes. What they are, they are filters from the demonic realm that help us to justify our actions and how we have lived so that we don't feel a pang of conscience that we're in disagreement with how the Holy Spirit would have wanted us to act. Hang on a second. Good preaching, buddy. That was good stuff. Oh, that can't happen to me. I'm a Christian. Rubbish. Rubbish. And so I'm half asleep and half awake, and I'm saying, I don't want to live in Quasi-Land. I don't want to live in the land where I can get away with X amount. I want to live where I'm living, where what I got away with last month, I don't want to get away with today. I want to keep changing and I want to keep becoming more and more sensitive to you. And I didn't feel one ounce of condemnation. I didn't feel one ounce of unworthiness. I was full of this euphoric feeling of the presence of God. Amen. Two things. One, it started because of repentance. And two, it's a hunger. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. I want to see how I'm doing. So don't say amen. 
In fact, don't say anything. But I want to test and see if I'm hitting the mark. So I want everyone to close your eyes. And if you're getting what I'm saying, and what I'm saying is getting to you, would you raise your hand? Awesome. Put your hands down. Now everyone can open their eyes. Look, when I preach, it's not about how many sermons can I get out. It's not about... I want to convey truth. It's more important to convey truth. Sermons, we can forget. But truth adjusts our mental perception and our attitudes. And when we have enough mental perception shifted, it creates a new atmosphere for a deeper level of the presence of God. Hello? Yeah. See, I believe God's been moving in this congregation. I believe he's moving in our hearts. And I believe he's giving me words and messages to help us see the path, the stepping stones, to get into a deeper and fuller life in the Holy Ghost. Does that bear witness with anybody here? A few, got about maybe six. Hey, listen, I've already proved I'm just like you. I need encouragement. Does that bear witness with anybody? All right, cool, cool. Listen, I am just like you, and when I leave here, and I could preach a wow of a sermon, and sometimes I get in surround sound, demons talking to me saying, man, you really stunk today. That was horrible, you know? And he will flash in front of me one person's face who was falling asleep or one person who maybe was making a face, but I didn't see that they were making a face at their kid because the kid's messing up, and I only caught that one glimpse. And so he will pick very choice pieces of photographs and flash them in front of me. I'm just as human as you. But if I can move in the Holy Ghost, you can move in the Holy Ghost. And anything I can experience in God, you can experience in God. I am not the elite. He is the elite, and he wants to fill us and make us like him. Amen? Absolutely. So how much oil have you got? You see, on the day of Pentecost... Here are the disciples, they didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus said, wait till the Holy Ghost comes. Now, we already know from scriptures that over 500 men and women saw the resurrected Christ. Over 500 people were eyewitnesses that Jesus was alive after he was crucified. Now, Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, go to that upper room. I want you to wait there till the Holy Ghost comes. He didn't say, uh, he'll show up Monday at 
10.05. You know why? Because people would show up at 10.04 and 10.06. Now, could he have done that? You see, I think people are taking the fifth. You know where I'm going, so you're not answering. Could he have done that? Is he God? Did he know when he was going to send the Holy Ghost? Could he given them a time, noon time? Okay, they didn't have Seiko watches. They had sundials. So could he have said noon time? Of course he could have. Could he have said Monday? Of course he could have. He didn't. He said, go there and don't leave till the Holy Ghost comes. This is what I know. It doesn't tell us how many days went by, but it tells us that when the Holy Ghost came, there was only 120. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know your, your makeup. I don't know how your Christianity affects you. But if I saw Jesus crucified and put in that grave, and then I saw him walking around and talking and alive and all along he had been saying he is Yeshua, Messiah, the Son of God, <laughs> I would be there in that upper room and I ain't leaving for nothing. When the Holy Ghost came, there was 120. Why was God so inconsiderate and inconvenient? Why didn't he say noontime Monday? We could have had 500 people there full of the Holy Ghost. No, he gave it to 120 who were hungry. Because what you're hungry for, you'll pay a price for. So the Holy Ghost comes. They didn't know what to expect. They start talking in tongues. People on the street are accusing them. I love the fact God doesn't care about the culture of the day. He's not going to stop being supernatural. We today want to adjust church so it's not too strange so that we don't affect the culture of the day. And we have to explain everything we do and we chop certain things out because otherwise people won't come. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I am a heck of a lot more concerned about the Holy Ghost showing up than I am about people showing up. I'm not a football fanatic, but I watch it, especially when we get to the Super Bowl. And depending on what two teams are playing... I see grown men naked from the waist up, painted in red, painted in blue, painted in yellow. I thought Smurfs all came in blue. They're all different colors, their faces, and nobody has to put a disclaimer on the TV. Nobody has to say, well, listen, we don't want to culturally shock anybody, uh, but this is just an American thing, and this is how we uh, participate as fanatic fans when we go and worship football.
Next week, I might come and preach with a face painted this side one color and this side another color. And by the way, I have nothing against football. (laughs) I love sports. I love entertainment. I love those things, but I love God a lot more. Amen. The Holy Ghost comes down and they're blabbering in unknown tongues. And the people on the street are laughing and saying, they're drunk. It's nine in the morning and they're drunk. And Peter had to get up and say, they are not drunk, as you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And the prophet Joel prophesied in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What's that going to look like? Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I guess I now fit into the category of being old. Maybe old men dream dreams because they can't stay awake long enough to get a vision. I don't know. I don't know. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, your young maidens, young ladies will prophesy. Oh, God forbid a woman teaches in the church. We're worried about whether a female is allowed to teach, and yet the Holy Ghost is going to let a female prophesy. We need to get some religious demons out of our chest. Absolutely. He said, this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit in the last days. Okay. That was obviously the last days. Peter says, this is that. Yay, it's here. Can I ask you all a question? If that was approximately 2,000 years ago, are we closer to the very last days today. Well, Joel didn't say he's gonna, the Holy Ghost is going to pour out his spirit in the very first day of the last days. He said, last days. And anybody who's been vomiting up on you religious garbage that this stuff has stopped, they are in contradiction to the prophetic writings of the Holy Spirit. The last days. And so, I see that God wants a supernatural church. Just like Ananias had, you know, he had a word from the Holy Ghost and he goes and he does this thing that was absolutely crazy and this guy saw really did get converted, and scales fall off his eyes, and he becomes such an amazing preacher and receiver of revelation that Paul is the one that God used to lay out most of church doctrine for the New Testament church. Most of our theology comes from what Paul pens. An open heaven is revival. But you could have revival by yourself. By having an open heaven around you. And you could, as an individual, literally walk 
under an open heaven and start having amazing encounters with God. And you can, and you can. But what happens is when you, 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 start living like that and we come together, whoa! And what starts to happen in church more and more is, whoa! And if I want to fit into secular society, we say, no, no woes here. We want the Holy Ghost. We want God. How much oil have you got? I could keep on preaching. I'm going to stop right there. The point was made for today. I want to make you hungry. And not for Thai crispy duck. By the way, if you ever want to experience a really good Thai crispy duck, the Amaret restaurant here in Oldsmar is very, very good. But I want to make you hungry for something that is far greater. Come on, let's stand. And I didn't touch my notes. Hey, these are the same notes from last week, and I didn't get there, so it's okay. Is it more important that we get through a sermon or that we convey the mind of God that he wants to get to us so that we have a a shift in our thinking? What's more important? The mind of God, right? If the sermon reflects what God is trying to say, that's awesome. But ultimately, what we're after is, God, what are you saying to us? I've been talking to a couple of preacher friends of mine, and you know what I've been hearing? And I promise you, I don't go to what is, you know, some website, what are the latest sermons that are being preached I want to hear what God has for me and for this church. But what I have found over the years is that when you get hungry preachers who are in tune with the Holy Ghost, they're like radio towers jutting up from the earth. And they receive a signal from heaven and they start broadcasting. And you find that, oh my goodness, I don't know how many times I've preached I've been embarrassed afterwards because I hear, oh, last night on TV, somebody told me that they watched Billy Graham and he said exactly what you said and used all the same verses or they heard this guy and they used all the same analogies and I think, Jesus, they're going to think that I go to the internet and get my sermons. But that's it. It's the same spirit. And so a friend of mine I was talking to, a pastor, uh, was telling me how everywhere he's going, pastors are suddenly preaching on repentance. And inside myself, I went, thank you, Jesus. I believe God's getting, while we see the earth getting worse, and it is, But 
what you read in the Old Testament in some of those sinful periods and sinful cities is commonplace and being legislated in America. If that doesn't stir you, then that's evidence of scales. And if it doesn't stir you enough to start weeping for this nation, I don't care how often you come to church, that's evidence of scales. See, I don't want to just see as God sees. I want to feel what he's feeling. Because when I feel what he feels, sometimes we can see. You know, you watch the news and you see an accident and five lives were tragically taken. Here, Tennessee, 25 people tragically taken. One little boy was pulled out of his house and was dropped several blocks away. And he's walking around in a daze because he saw himself flying in the air. His mom, his dad, and his sibling dead. And we watch these things and we see what he saw, but not with the same emotion. So I don't want to just see as God sees. I want to feel as God feels. Because that will send me to my knees and cause the spirit of intercession to come over me. And I'll start crying out to heaven, God, we need you, we need you, we need you. I'm glad people come to church, but God, we need you. We need a move of your Holy Spirit. We need revival. We need breakthrough. It's not just about having a healing here and there. God, there needs to be a spiritual shift for righteousness. This whole series... It's to help create a shift in us so that we'll take the steps, the spiritual steps that help the heavens to be ripped open. But it starts with us as individuals. It starts with repentance, and then the next thing is hunger. Your plate, most times, will be filled with the food you have a hunger for. When I want Italian cooking, I don't go to McDonald's. In fact, if I want real Italian cooking, I don't go anywhere but my kitchen. (laughs) What you're hungry for is what your plate's full of. What's your plate full of? What, what's your plate full of? Have you got oil? Are you full of, full of, topped up, flowing over with the Holy Ghost? I challenge you to fast and pray and say, God, I know I'm the righteousness of Christ. I, I'm not praying from condemnation. But I want to start, I don't want to live in quasi-land 
where everything's just okay. I want to live in your reality. So I want to see as you see. And let's take it up a couple of notches. I want to feel it the way you feel it. That's a dangerous prayer. But not dangerous to you. It's dangerous to your enemy. The kingdom of darkness. And it's powerful. For the church of Jesus Christ. Father, as we close today, I endeavor to be open, transparent, honest, and irrespective of fame or fortune, try to speak what you've told me to say. And I trust you and I thank you, God. Holy Spirit, I pray for this congregation that you've given me that I will be a better shepherd, that I will draw closer to you, help me, that I will be more and more sensitive to you and live like you, help me, Holy Spirit. And I pray that they as well, that they won't look at me as, well, he does it and we just go to church to watch. I pray, Father, that a holy fire starts in every person's heart and that we become passionate, passionate to be full of the Holy Ghost and see the miraculous just as it was in the early church. Holy Spirit, we hunger for you. Fill us afresh. Convict us. And stir our appetite for the things of God. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, the Bible says going to church doesn't make you a Christian. We go to church because we are Christians. But the only way to become a Christian is to ask Jesus into your heart. And if you've never done that, or if you feel like you need to do that, I want you to come and meet me down the front. I'm going to dismiss everyone. You come on down the front. I want to pray with you. I want to talk to you. I want to meet you. As to everyone else, I love you. I pray for you earnestly. I really do. And I pray that the Holy Ghost will get more of all of us and we'll get all of him. Yes. Amen. Yes. God bless you. God bless you.